How are you feeling? Feel pretty good? Well, it's good to be in class together. We are moving through some Old Testament questions, having different teachers here and there. And we get to tackle the question this morning from Genesis 24, and I believe it's along about verse 58. In your book here, it's pages 42, 43, 44, and 45. But it is the question about marriage. Marriage. So I feel very uh, blessed to be able to talk about this with you uh, this morning. When I step back and think about marriage, it helps me once again to be humble because it is such an enormous responsibility but also blessing. One fellow... I heard in college, and he's passed away now, but he was a tremendous gospel preacher by the name of Hugo McCord. Hugo said one time that he outmarried himself. And I think every husband who has any sense about him feels the same way. That the blessing of his wife is beyond what words could could describe. I feel that way. And I feel very humbled to be even discuss this subject with you, but here we are, and it is a great, great question here in Genesis 24 and verse 58. <clears throat> the question comes like this, to Rebecca. Rebecca, who's not yet married, her father Bethuel and brother Laban says, will you go with this man? And she says, I will go. I will go. Now, she's going to marry Isaac, as you know, but Isaac's not standing there. Abraham has sent his servant, to find a wife for Isaac. And the man has come upon Bethuel and Rebekah's home. There's a tremendous, huge discussion there. And the question is, will you go with this man? And she doesn't need 10 days. Somebody has suggested, well, let's give her 10 days. Let's let's think about this 10 days. And she, She didn't need 10 days. She said, I will go with him. And so what I'd like to do with you is to notice about five obvious lessons that comes from this little uh, scenario here in Genesis 24, and then I want us to be able to expand uh, our thoughts a little bit about marriage. Okay. So let's notice quickly uh, five lessons that comes from this, um, this scene here in Genesis 24. Lesson number one is, obviously, uh, marriage is a big deal. Marriage is a big deal. 
because if you go back to Genesis 24, verse 1, you see Abraham now is an older man, well stricken in years, and he asked his top servant in his household, the oldest one, the most trusted one, to come to him. He says, I want you to swear to me that you will go and find a wife for Isaac, but not go, don't, don't go among the Canaanites, you go back to our people, you go back to our people. He had his servant put his hand under his thigh and made him swear that he would do that. And so the servant agrees to go and he takes off on this journey to find a wife for Isaac. He takes camels with him, takes gifts with him. It is a big deal. It's a big deal. There's a lot of prayer involved both by Abraham and the servant and the servant obviously has, has become very godly himself. So he stops on occasion to pray about this journey he's on, that it will be successful. Marriage is a big deal. As far in a, in a child's life, as a child becomes a young adult and then goes into adulthood, it may very well be that this decision of marriage it, it, this is what determines faithfulness ultimately. Okay. I would go so far as to say this decision right here, the one that you choose to marry, will determine your level of spirituality from that point on. And oftentimes it determines whether or not we are with home with God forever and ever. This is huge. So obvious lesson number one, marriage is a big deal. Lesson number two is that faith has got to be the primary factor in making the decision. At least from this, these, these episodes here in Genesis 24. Abraham's burden on his heart was that Isaac not take a wife from among the Canaanites. The Canaanite, Canaanites, Hittites, they were, they were idolaters. They worshipped false religions. And it grieved him to think about that that would happen. And so you can pick up on this in Genesis 24, verses 3 and 4, or Genesis 24, verses 37 and 38. You see uh, Abraham's own words, and then later his servant will repeat these words as he approaches uh, Beth Yule's uh, household. This is an important principle that we need to be preparing our children uh, to get married. And faith uh, in God, the true God, must be a primary uh, factor. Okay, I think all of us would agree with that. And I think we'll see that more and more as we progress through our lesson uh, this morning. But just stop and think about it. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoever finds a wife finds a good thing. But it can't just be any person. Okay. Let me illustrate it like this. You remember, uh, you remember who Ahab married? Old King Ahab? Who did he marry? Okay, would you say that Jezebel was a good find? Okay. 
So it's a general principle, Proverbs 18, 22, whoever finds a wife finds a good thing, but it's implied there that you need to be looking for a good wife, a good husband. What does the Bible say in 1 Kings 11, verse 4, about all of Solomon's wives? Well, there's a lot of them. But they turned his heart away from God. So what happened? 1 Kings 11, 4. Turn with me and read this. Um, then we'll move on to our next quick point. First, First Corinthians uh, 7. At the end of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 7 has been talking about marriage all throughout uh, these verses. It gets down to the verses 39 and 40. Look in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 7, 39. <clears throat> A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. I have that underlined in my Bible, only in the Lord. Okay. Then Paul gives a little statement here in verse 40. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think I too have the spirit of God. Okay. So notice Paul's words there. And the, at the very least, he is advising carefulness in the selection of a mate. So, number one, marriage is a big deal. And number two, faith has got to be um, the primary factor in the selection. And then, lesson number three, parents need to be involved, heavily involved as uh, a young person is uh, making or heading toward these ultimate steps of matrimony. Okay. At least that's what we're learning here from Abraham. Okay. And Abraham inserts his will into the selection of a wife for Isaac. Okay. And we might not go so, so far as they're going here in these days, but still the principle remains that um, parents ought to be involved. Okay. And it's rather just common sense, isn't it? If, if we agree that marriage is a huge, huge deal and faith is a primary factor, then parents ought to be helping, ought to be, ought to be guiding, okay. ought to be the guiding light, and they ought to be very concerned do you mean to tell me that parents are going to bring up their children and not be involved in the selection? What is your ultimate goal as parents? You want your, your children to grow up and be Christians, authentic, okay, Christians, through and through Christians, and, and be all that God wants them to be and ultimately go to heaven. And you don't want anything to, to uh, hinder that at all. So, of course, you're going to try to be involved in selection of your children's uh, mates. We're, we're involved in a lot of other things, right? Their, their education, 
Okay, we're, we're involved in that and their clothing and their food and their health okay, and their transportation. And then we're going to say we're going to just be hands off when it comes to the most important decision that they'll probably ever make. And so, um, so that's lesson number three is parents have got to be involved. But lesson number four is uh, for the ones getting married, it is a personal decision. Parents can't make that decision. And notice here in Genesis 24, uh, will you go with this man? Okay. Let's call Rebecca in. They've been dis discussing it. Genesis 24 is, is very interesting, especially when we in our day and time and our practices, we're going back into a different time. They, there's been a lot of discussion among the menfolk as as Abraham's servant gets to Bethuel and Laban and, and, and the servant is telling them all about Abraham and, and his desires and, and his home and his goods and, and they're having a big discussion about it. Finally, they said, let's just call Rebecca in and, and say, will you go with this man? And I'm sure, uh, you know, the, the servant of Abraham, when he arrives, he, he does, it's not just not just for supper. He, he's there an entire day. He spends the night. Okay. He's got all these camels and gifts. It's, so I'm sure the word has spread to Rebecca what's, what the, the thought is here. And by the way, the servants already talked to Rebecca and given her uh, some jewelry. So she has a strong idea of what's taking place. So they ask her, will you go with this man? And she says, I will go. So parents certainly should be a strong influence, especially if parents are godly. Especially if parents are godly. They should be a heavy influence in the selection of their children's mates. But ultimately, parents must say to their children, this is your decision. You own this decision. There won't be any there won't be any uh, reservations down the road. If you're making this decision, this is yours, and you're going to understand it. And then uh, the fifth lesson I thought about was that a wife must be willing to go because the word go is used here, and she literally is going uh, to go. In the book here, uh, Brother Brownlow, at the bottom of page 42, uh, he has this, he says, um, Rebecca said, I will go. Her decision meant leaving her family and friends, a long journey by camel over a scorched uh, desert and going to a foreign land to dwell among strangers, but she must go uh, to be with her husband. Okay. And so he makes that good point. She must be willing to go. This is part of the, the setup from God. This is... This is part of the wives, uh, well, really, this is the foundation of the wives' role in, in marriage. She is to be a support, and she is be, to be submissive to him. She has got to be willing to go with him. Okay? She is there as his help meet, Genesis 2, uh, verse 18. And they seem to understand this uh, in this day, and so the question is, will uh, you go? All right. So I want to just mention those five uh, quick lessons and before we kind of expand our discussion on, on marriage. Okay. Any thoughts up to this point from, 
from anyone. servant had uh, Miss Julia saying that her decision uh, meant that she didn't know a lot of what, is, what was ahead of her. Uh, the servant from Abraham had, had explained as much as he could and they did they were the same people and so there was a trust factor there that I'm sure made her and Bethuel and Laban feel pretty good about the decision because um, they also would be concerned about who she would uh, end up uh, marrying. Okay. All right. So when we thinking, we're thinking about marriage, we're thinking about uh, preparing for marriage and then the ceremony and then staying married. Okay. And so in preparing for marriage, there's a lot we've got to know about marriage. It's not that difficult, but it, these are fundamental ideals that need to be reviewed and need to be engraved in our hearts and minds. Okay, so let's think about just some fundamental ideals about marriage. Okay. Who, who designed marriage? Okay, no doubt. God is the designer of marriage. He brought marriage to the earth, Genesis 2, 18 to 24. We know this. And very importantly, the Lord Jesus, as he talked about marriage, in Matthew 19, the scripture that Chris read for us, and again in Mark 10, 1 through 6, he refers all the way back to the beginning. Okay. And so God is the designer of marriage, and so he has the right to lay down the arrangements and the rules, and he has. Okay. So that's one fundamental fact. Another fundamental fact is that marriage is designed for one man and one woman. One man and one woman. When Jesus goes back to creation, we go back to creation. So when God created man... He created him from what? Dust. Dust of the ground. When he created woman, he created woman how? Out of man. Okay. So when God created woman, he didn't create a bunch of them for Adam. Not several of them, but one. Just Eve. Just Eve did he create. Okay. And then later on, and it's interesting to me that later on when God wanted to explain the church to us, he uses this setup of marriage. Okay. Husbands love your wives, Jesus Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. Well, so the church is like the bride of Christ. Okay. And how many churches are there? One. Ephesians four, verse four, there's one body. How many heads are there? There's only one head. That's Jesus. So Jesus the head is married to the church, the body, one body, one head, one body. God uses the foundation of marriage to bring his church to the earth and explain uh, that. So God designed marriage to be for one man, one woman. Okay, a third fact about marriage is it's created for male and female. Okay. And Jesus, uh, especially in our reading this morning from Matthew 19, 
Have you not read that he who, he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, etc. So it's made for male and female. And every distortion of that is condemned in the Bible. Okay. And you know that Paul says, um, Romans 1, uh, 26 and 27, that that when men leave the natural use of their desires and, and burn for one another, that is strictly condemned. Jude verse 7, we could go to a lot of verses. Okay. But God made marriage for male and female. And for anyone who, who cares to just be sensible about it, first of all, the two bodies, male and female, are compatible. Okay. Okay. Any other arrangement... The bodies are not compatible. Right? Do we need to even say that? And then out of a male and female marriage, you can produce children. Of course, the other ways you just simply cannot. Okay? It's sad that we even have to say that, but obviously there are some in society that, don't, that can't, can't get their arms around that. So that God designed marriage and that it's made for one man, one woman, and it's, it's made for male and female. And also God designed marriage to be the exclusive place for sexual relations. Okay. The exclusive place for sexual relations. And you know this. Hebrews 13.4, let marriage be had in honor among all. And let the bed be undefiled. There is a, a way to defile the bed. And then the writer goes on to say, for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Okay. Genesis 4 verse 1 says, the man knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. Okay. One passage you might want to look at again is 1 Corinthians 7. This time at the beginning of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 7. As we think about marriage as the exclusive from God, this is from God. This is, not, this is not us making up some rules about marriage. This is from God. It's the exclusive outlet for sexual intimate relations. 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 1 and 2. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have uh, sexual relations with a woman, but because of temptation to sexual immorality... Each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Okay, so that's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. If you're going to have these kind of relations, uh, he says, uh, in his situation, Paul, Paul was not going to get married. He says, if you can do that and devote yourself to the gospel, okay. But uh, if you can't, then let each have his own, each wife have her own husband, or each husband have his own wife. So that's a fundamental fact. And then the funda fundamental fact number five is that marriage from God's standpoint is meant to be lifelong. Lifelong. Okay. Lifelong. Jesus, uh, going back to our scripture this morning, Matthew 19, uh, he said, um, we are to become one flesh. One flesh. And then he says, what God has joined together joined together. That, that phrase literally means to be yoked together. Like you'd put two, two animals 
underneath your plow and tie them in, joined together. And then he adds this, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. It's meant to be lifelong. That phrase, one flesh, is interesting. See what you think about this. Some say this is uh, going so far as when a man and woman come together, not just physically, but as they join their life together, that they are, in a sense, recreating, reenacting God's original creation. Because uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 8 even says, the woman was taken out of the man. When two godly people are married, then they are joining themselves back together. Okay. Sort of reenactment of God's original creation. But be that as it may, you can see God's expectations. Romans 7 verse 2 also is a good scripture that deals with lifelong uh, marriages. Marriage ought to be lifelong. You see Romans 7 Verse 2, thus a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Okay. But as long as he lives, she is bound uh, to him and vice versa. Okay. So in preparing for marriage, okay, I've got my child, I've got my, my grandchildren, they're coming along. Okay, how do I prepare them? Well, this is it. These five obvious lessons from Genesis 24 and then add to that these fundamental facts about marriage. You tie these together and you have to talk about these all along the way. Okay, from the time that they're able to talk back to you and even before that, you start inserting these principles all along the way so that when it comes to marriage time, there's no question about, there's, there's no arguments. We just know the direction we're going to go. Okay. Now, a parent is, is uh, wanting to uh, do his or her best, and so you want to prepare your child to be a Christian. You want to prepare your child to know how to worship God faithfully. You want to prepare your child to know how to live godly, live as a Christian. Okay. This, this marriage bundle here is part of all of that. Okay. And especially in our day, okay, it, it would be absolute child abuse not to have this ingrained in your heart, heart of your children, especially in our, in our day. So, reactions. Um, the only thing we haven't said, um, or I mean, we can't say everything, but you know, as we we're reading it this morning, Matthew 19, verse 9, gives the one, except it be for fornication, okay, who shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry another, commits adultery. Okay. So there's only one reason that God would give for a divorce 
and or remarriage, and that would be fornication. Fornication is a sexual act with another person. Okay. And he would only give that right to the innocent spouse. But it's a, it's a right, but it's not a requirement. In fact, it's not an encouragement. It, the encouragement would be that even when infidelity would strike, that there would be enough maturity there, enough, enough dedication to forgive and to reconnect and recreate what God would want them to recreate. And you say, well, does that ever happen? Yes, it happens. Okay. It's happened personally. Um, I, c I can name um, two uh, associated with this congregation over the last 20 years where there was clear infidelity on one or the other, and the other spouse called one innocent and said, this has happened. I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad but I don't want to get a divorce. Do I have to get a divorce? I said, no, you don't have to. In fact, it'd be wonderful if you want, and they work through it. Okay. So, fundamental to all of this is commitment. Commitment. On the day of marriage. Okay. What the community needs to know, what family members need to know, what the church needs to know. Are you willing to verbally, publicly pledge yourself to your wife this day? This day. Okay. Now, if a family wants to include baby pictures and, and late side scenes, whatever, okay, whatever. But that's not really what the marriage ceremony is about. Okay. It is about commitment. Commitment. We teach that commitment as our children come along. And then they express that commitment on that day. And then they live up to that commitment from that point onward. Okay. And that ties in with this idea that it's a personal decision. Rebecca, this is a personal decision for you. Will you go with this man? Are you making that commitment today? You are expected to live up to that from this point onward. Okay. So what are your reactions so far? Very good. I appreciate it, James, bringing up the fact that as, as we're preparing our children, all this 
all these fundamentals, what we learn from Abraham and Isaac, okay, very, very important, okay, bringing our children up to be Christians, to be godly, but part of this process, and this is very important, okay, is that we are looking, we, parents and child, we are looking for someone else who has been brought up a lot like you. We're looking for a godly match. So, that's what you're saying. And when that happens, then, then you are um, able to work through. There's still going to be problems, but you are able to work through those because of a common faith. Very good. Right. So, would you agree this is important stuff? Would you all agree? And it seems to get more and more important if that's possible. Being God's word is ultimately important, but it's very uh, relevant today. Very relevant. And it is a parent's responsibility to teach their children and to live before their children these very ideas. It's a parent's responsibility. All of this is parent's responsibility. The church is, can be an assistance, but the church can't step in and do it. That's not, that's not God's design, first of all. God didn't design the church to bring up a family. Parents are designed to bring up a family. But especially, the way God set it up was to be strong families that would create a strong church. And that, that's key to everything that's happening in our day. So you got these, in my mind, you got preparing for marriage and then actually making the commitment, and then staying married, staying married. And that's a whole, you know, that's a, there's a lot of verses and a lot of principles from God that can help in that, that realm as well. The best pieces of advice that, that, um, that we have used uh, from an older couple was to read 1 Corinthians 13 together again and again and again, the, the chapter on love, but then take turns inserting your name where it says love. Read, read out loud to each other and then insert your name as you read in front of your spouse. And that, that holds you accountable to how you ought uh, to be. All right. So what other thoughts do you have about some of these matters?
Nathan's saying it'd be very difficult without the Bible, without the example of God, Christ, example of the folks in the Bible to have godly marriages because the world tends to go with a me-first approach and certainly that cannot be in a marriage. The focus here in the book um, is really on Rebecca because the question comes to the woman, will you go? And at the end of the chapter, Brother Brownlow uh, gives some comments about a woman who is willing to go. Um, he says she should be a willing uh, to be a helpmate to her husband and then uh, plan to be in subjection to her husband. This too is God's law. And then should be willing to work for she must work alongside her husband. Then he gives the great example of the woman described in Proverbs uh, 31. Um, she does not eat the bread of idleness. Okay. But as Brother Matt says, the husband also is given 100%. So when both are given 100%, it's really just a thrilling, uh, it's just a thrilling situation. Okay. Uh, a lady desires to be a keeper at home, Titus 2 verse 5 and she wishes to be a mother, a mother. And so the woman who is to go, he has some thoughts along those lines. I appreciate just um, his thought there, especially does she desire to be a mother? And uh, parents who have a son, and the son is contemplating uh, marriage, you need to know real well whether that future daughter-in-law, is she, what, is her, what are her thoughts about God, about motherhood? Okay, is she going to be willing to have children? Bearing children, everybody in the world does that. There are a lot of people that, that like each other and get married and have children, but, but is she willing to be a mother, a mother to her children? Well, thank you so much. It's, it's a very uh, challenging question, in my view, this here from Genesis 24, uh, but still very good for us um, to review and to keep and to think and to pray because um, marriage is a huge deal, huge. All right. Looking forward to being in worship together, and we'll take a few minutes break. <clears throat>